This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Welcome to the Joy of Living Creatively. My name is Eric Maisel, and I'd like to guide you through a nine-episode series that examines the relationship between creativity and addiction, and that presents a first-ever recovery program for creative people. I hope that you'll share these episodes with your creative friends who may be suffering from an addiction, or who may be worried about their addictive tendencies. For a more complete examination of this subject, please take a look at my new book, co-authored with the addiction specialist Dr. Susan Rayburn, called Creative Recovery, a complete addiction treatment program that uses your natural creativity. It's just been released from Shambhala Books and is available now from Amazon and other booksellers. Today's episode is the seventh in the series. It's called Your Creative Recovery Program. People do manage to enter recovery and create regularly. The writer David Adam Richards explained, quote, When I walked into that first AA meeting, people smiled at me and shook my hand. I hung around. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. Sometimes it still isn't. It took months before I felt human, and three years before I was able to complete another book. Since then, I have written ten more. Since then, by luck and by God, and though I have been sorely tempted, I have never taken another drink, unquote. No one, Richard included, is saying that it will be easy, only that it is a real possibility. Mark, a painter, described his journey. Quote, Smoking had become a big part of the process when I was painting. It made for a good excuse to stand back and look at the painting, and since I had a habit of getting too close and personal with my realistic paintings, it was a good strategy. In recovery from smoking, I had to come up with a whole new way of seeing myself as an artist. I went through a long dry spell. During that time, there were countless canvases that never saw the light of day. Colors were muddied, drawings looked like an amateur had done them, and everything seemed unbalanced and without harmony. But I used those attempts to analyze my mental state. Eventually I broke through that difficult time and found myself going in new directions. Colors became brighter and the subject matter much more cheerful. I've never gone through a block like that since. Now I have the added knowledge that I can do anything I set my mind to." Unquote. In recovery, you may finally unleash your full creative nature. Miriam, an artist, explained, quote, It wasn't until I kicked my addiction to alcohol and other substances that my creativity was unleashed full throttle. I've learned that my creative energy is like a river. If it's not flowing, it overflows into harmful addictions. Two months after I put the cork in the bottle, I dragged out the sewing machine and started my creative career. That was over 16 years ago, and my journey, which began with quilting, 
has led to jewelry making, writing, and painting, activities I had only dreamed of doing, unquote. You will want to make a place for creating in your life, carefully, sanely, but surely. As a creative person, creating is at the heart of who you are. To work a recovery program that doesn't include creating is to walk a path without heart. Despite its attendant risks, risks that always accompany authentic living, creating is too important a part of your life to be ignored or abandoned. Creating was your birthright and distill your birthright, even as you steadfastly recover from an addiction. Here are the steps to take to make a place for creating in your recovery program. Number one, reaffirm that you are human. If you remember that you are entitled to make mistakes and messes, feel anxiety, do good work on some days and poor work on other days, and otherwise be human, as opposed to perfect, you will approach your creating in a good frame of mind and not jeopardize your recovery. As the writer Evelyn Lau explained, quote, the compulsions, the feelings of need and lack are still there. I think now that these urges will stay with me for the rest of my life. But at least I no longer wake up every morning expecting to be perfect, then destroying myself if I am not, unquote. Be human not perfect. Number two, analyze your exact risk factors. Which aspects of the creative process and the creative life cause you the kinds of anxiety, stress, and frustration that jeopardize recovery? This analysis may itself cause you anxiety, but it is an essential task. If your answer is everything, then you have some fundamental work to do to change your relationship to the creative act, and to put your recovery on a more solid footing. More likely, you will discover that only a few challenges really threaten you. Then you can plan how to handle those particular challenges. For example, Max, a sculptor, explained, quote, Once I choose a project, I work with relatively little anxiety. In fact, the work soothes me. But choosing a project... For those days I rush around like a madman, and during that crazy incubation period, I find myself very close to slipping, unquote. Do the work of noticing where in the creative process your gravest risks are located. Number three, plan how to handle those risks. Once you identify your particular risk factors, think through how you will handle each of those risks. For instance, Max recognized that he could safely skip 12-step meetings while he was in the middle of fabricating a sculpture, but that he had to attend meetings every day during his crazy incubation process. Laura, a writer, explained, quote, At the beginning of a book, I have good manic energy and I stayed buoyed up, usually for a few weeks. Then the hard work of the middle commences and I start to get down, sometimes a lot down. But the real problem comes as I approach the end. I have real trouble with ends. So I know that the second the thought pops into my head, how am I going to end this, I had better get myself to a meeting. If the ending takes me 30 days, then I do 30 meetings. I know what's good for me. Unquote. Number four, work your program. 
The best guarantee that creating will not derail you is the ongoing mindful way you work your recovery program. For you, that might mean going to 12-step meetings, seeing your therapist, reducing the stressors in your life, maintaining social support, keeping a watchful eye on your feelings and your self-talk, writing in your creative recovery journal, maintaining the mindfulness practice we've discussed, or all of these and more. As Giselle, an actress and dancer, explained, quote, I can deal with the grind of auditions, with the emotions of almost but not quite getting parts, and with the stress of my day job, but only if I religiously work my program. I need to be steadfast in my recovery work, because if I let that slip, even for a day, I'm in real danger of losing everything. I don't ever want to go back to where I was just a few short years ago, drunk and suicidal. My program comes first. Unquote. That ends today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. Please tune in next week for another episode of The Joy of Living Creatively. If you subscribe to The Joy of Living Creatively, you won't miss a single episode. To subscribe, please visit personallifemedia.com or look for The Joy of Living Creatively in iTunes. If you found today's episode useful, I hope that you'll purchase your own copy of Creative Recovery, available now from Amazon and other booksellers. And I hope that you'll visit my website to learn more about my books and services. To visit, please head over to ericmazel.com. That's E-R-I-C-M-A-I-S-E-L.com. Thank you for listening. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com 